Welcome to the Backdrop, Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club Golf Society, Matt Considine. Today, we have a real treat. Jay Ravel, author, golf writer, uh, gentleman of the game. He joins us on the pod to talk about his new book, Swing, Walk, Repeat, a combination of 200-plus essays and musings on the game of life and golf. Uh, I say life because every time... I read some of Jay's work. I just, I fall more in love with the game of golf and I see more clearly how it is this metaphor for our way of life. And uh, as golfers, we can all relate to that shared feeling we get when we tee up a ball and go out for a walk. So Jay and I dive in deep on his thoughts around the game. We get off topic on a few cool items, uh, places like Sea Island, where we're going to be for our upcoming winter meeting to end out the 2022 golf season here at New Club. And before then, we have plenty of other events and fixtures and matches to enjoy. But our upcoming fixture, the Summer Medal, this July, July 22nd through 25th, is coming up quickly. And we do have only a few spots remaining for that event. So if you're a member that's listening and you want to get in some world-class golf, I cannot recommend more our summer medal. Headed to Northern Michigan, we'll be at Belvedere Golf Club. We'll be playing the loop both directions. Tom Doak's very ingenious design at Forest Dunes, as well as Arcadia Bluffs. Two courses there. It doesn't get much more better than that lineup. Uh, We also have the lottery for Kingsley Club on Tuesday before we all head back to our respective lives. But the summer medal every year is just a blast. We got trophies coming in from Winston Collection. uh, And our official partner of the summer medal this year is, again, our friends over at Journeyman Distillery. And they've been a big part of this event since we started it. Uh, But Journeyman, if you don't know, they offer an extensive portfolio of handcrafted artisan spirits that have a true sense of place. They utilize all locally sourced Midwest organic grains and use unfiltered, untreated water from an underground aquifer in Three Oaks, Michigan. While whiskey is Bill and Johanna's original passion and why they started the business, all their products have a special place in their heart. Experimentation, variety, quality, that's what motivates them most. Actually sounds like a pretty good recipe for good golf too. Uh, They do have that 30,000 square foot putting green in the backyard of the distillery, so I recommend stopping by the next time you're on a road trip and you can get to Three Oaks, Michigan. It is well worth the stop. You can also check out their full line of spirits over at journeymandistillery.com. Now, without further ado, on to the show. Jay Ravel, welcome back to the Bag Drop. Always good to be back with you, my man. How you been? I've been doing good. I've been doing good, man. We've been drinking from the golf fire hose here at New Club. And uh, what I'm curious of is what's got Jay Ravel excited this golf season? I mean, you're always diving into some new depth of the golf universe. What what right now is your current obsession? Well, um, in two weeks, I will be going to um, Pebble Beach. Uh, my wife and I uh, are taking our two year delayed five year anniversary trip, as I call it. So we were supposed to go out there in June of 2020 
few things happened in the world, obviously, uh, in 2020. So uh, we got Delta curveball. It was funny because it was going to be like our big trip before we started trying to have another kid. Now, you know, he's nine months old now. So uh, we're, um, yeah, so we're excited. We're going to go back out there. Um, I got a, another good friend of mine who's a uh, big golfer and his wife are actually going to tag along too. Uh, so that's going to be a good time. I'm, um, holding on to hope that my, um, Cypress, you know, conniving I've been working on for a while is going to maybe, maybe hit pay dirt this go round. We'll see. Not, not, you know, uh, all not sure the, yet. All the words you've put out in the university's last couple of years, I'm sure some of them got to get you on Cypress. Right? You know, I feel <laughs> like I've found, I finally have found my best possible route. Um, I'm just, I'm just playing the waiting game. You know, he kind of kept texting me and said, patience, you know, grasshopper. And I'm like, okay, I'll be as patient <laughs> as I need to be. So, uh, so we're going out there, uh, always excited to go play some golf um in the on the monterey peninsula so that's going to be fun just got back from our big guys trip here our group of fellas from tallahassee and capital city country club we take a big one every year so we were actually we're in um uh sea island for uh four rounds of golf that's always a good time and you know i <clears throat> my brother a couple of years ago started attending those trips with us and you know the chance to play four rounds of golf uh you know with him in a row is just you know always a good time. And that it, we, we had a kind of a rough and rocky relationship at one time and golf really has become the the bridge that's built that back up. So, you know, still kind of coming off the high of just spending a lot of really good days on the golf course next to the sea with him and uh, excited to go play on the other coast here uh, in just a few days. So um, tell me about good. Tell me about sea Island. Cause I, uh, um, uh, many of our, our members and staff have been that's we're headed there yeah. for our, our winter meeting in December. Oh. What, what makes that place <laughs> sneak unique? up? What makes place that unique to you? You know, Sea Island, the way I describe it to people is, um, you know, there's a lot of really great public golf offerings, right? Your high end public golf offerings around the country. You know, there's a number of places that come to mind. Um, you know, we were just talking about Pebble, you know, Kiowa, um, all of the dream golf places, you know, all of those are, you know, rank highly on the list. Sea Island, I think what makes it unique is that it feels like a super high end private club. Um, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, you know, I can say this, right. I mean, Pebble, right. Is a, is a golf farm, right. I mean, you're, you're, you know, it's a great time. You just have to know what you're getting yourself into, right? I mean, it's a it's a long day, you know, you're kind of put in line. It's kind of like going to Disney World for golf a little bit, you know, and it just, it is what it is. It's a good time, but you have to understand that going in. Uh, sea Island is the total opposite of that. It, it feels like you're at just a really nice, uh, super high-end private club for a few days. Um, you know, you get to go hang out in the um, locker room at the lodge, it's just really laid back. You never feel like you're rushed or crowded and the golf is spectacular. You know, it's, I, I don't know if the golf would compare, um, you know, quite on the level with some of the, like the dream golf stuff, but I mean, I would put the seaside course. I think it's one of the most, it's probably one of the more underrated golf courses. You know, it, it doesn't get the, um, the heraldry that other places do. It's a Fazio, right? So, I mean, I feel like, you know, in today's world that maybe, you know, people discount that, but it's a, it's a tremendous golf course. I mean, it's a, um, you know, Colton Allison original layout. It's been updated over the years, the new, uh, plantation course that Davis love redid, 
um, is a pretty kind of a boring piece of ground. I mean, dead flat, but really adventurous greens. You know, it's uh, a friend of mine kind of described it as like, you know, it's a resort course, but it's got the best set of greens you're ever going to play on a resort on like a typical resort course. So that's kind of a, a fun way to look at that one. Um, and there's a couple of other clubs up there. You know, if you can sneak your way on to like Frederico is a wonder is a really, really great place to go uh, try out. I haven't made it on the ocean forest yet, but um, I hear, you know, wonderful things there, but it's, it's just a great hangout. I mean, the thing you got to make sure you do is um, in the lodge, they have three inch pipes throughout the building. So the showers are just off the charts. Uh, so you got to make sure you get you, you know, get on the shower power in there, but it's just a good hang. A friend of mine described it to the pro shop in there once as a, um, he called it a two shirt pro shop. Uh, just, you know, really, really good shopping experience. And if you get a chance to go around to there, um, Southern soul barbecue is a must. I mean, it's phenomenal. The best Brunswick stew I've ever had in my life. Uh, they've got these, uh, fried green beans that I'm pretty high on too. Um, and also, like, there's some cool stuff if you go over to, um, you know, the, the resort's a little disjointed. You have the lodge where all the golf is. And then on the other side of the island, you have uh, the cloister and um, some of the, you know, historic properties that are associated with the resort. But, like, they've got a like a, like a dinner cruise you can take from out the back of the cloister, take you out the, up the river all the way out to the sea, turn around, have a couple cocktails. That's a really cool experience, too. So it's just a wonderful, low-key uh, hang out with some good golf and really good to have friends there. I, I, I I'm, I didn't think I could be more excited now. I, yeah. Thank you, sir. You're, <laughs> You're I, 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 I asked the right guy. No, that, uh, us ending our year there too, for us Northerners yeah. know, getting a little bit better weather in, in December and coming down and, and in um, December's great there too. It's, it's even more low key. I mean, right now it's kind of peak season for them. So, you know, I, I usually go up there in the off season and, um, it's just a delight. Well, let's talk about this one right here that we're yeah there it is swing walk repeat uh i i really enjoyed this jay i i really did what i think it's so cool about it is you can kind of pick it up and kind of like in the, in the world itself and you can pick any hole you want any any chapter you want and you can dive right in and um i guess let's start from the beginning i want to know what prompted you to you know start writing this one you know um it started on January 1st, 2020. It's sort of an accidental book. Um, it was a you know beautiful North Florida winter day. Um, just, you know, filled with big hopes and dreams for the year ahead, right? Uh, me, my wife, and my daughter then, let's see, she would have been um, almost just shy of three years old. And um, we uh, walked up to the golf course, you know, a whopping three blocks from the from the driveway. Um, went out there. I think I actually was playing with the hickories that afternoon. We got the stroller. Just a just a beautiful day, right? I get home and uh, sun's going down. And I start reflecting on the day a little bit, and I wrote this little spiel about the day on my uh, Instagram account, and was about to post the photo, and. Um, I stopped and I went to the top and I wrote golf story one of 365. And I said, you know what, this is going to be my resolution this year. I'm going to see if I can write some little bits, a good writing exercise, good prompt, you know, something every day that moves me about the game of golf, some memory or some moment that I had that day or some connection or experience and just reflect on it and see 
you know, where it takes me. It's probably just a good, you know, I, funny. I, I literally was like, this will probably help me become a more succinct writer too. Cause you know, you can't <laughs> fill it up too much. And, um, I posted it and I just stayed with it. And every day I, I was realizing as we went, just how grateful I am for the game of golf and how much it is, uh, how much it touches everything in my life. Uh, it's just an essential part of, of who I am. And, um, I did not end up making it 365. You know, like I said, the world threw us a few curveballs that year. Um, obviously the pandemic started, you know, three months after that. Um, I ended up losing my job that year. That was a toughie. Um, and, uh, we lost a pregnancy later that year and we, um, I ended up starting my own business towards the end of the year. Right. So, I mean, it was just a, a real roller coaster of a year, but you know, throughout all of it, golf remained this just constant and being able to sit down and do that was like this meditation for me. Right. I mean, it just allowed me to kind of, you know, focus on something that I loved and that I treasured and that helped me be a better person throughout this really rocky year. And, um, you know, like I said, I didn't get to 365, but we probably ended up about 270 of them. And then, um, it actually, I was talking about it with you on our, um, our book club episode we did. I was just about to say, yeah. Yeah. And, and Jim hears me and I get an email from him the next morning and he's like, Hey, uh, I want to, I want to take a look at this, uh, manuscript you were talking about, a uh, big fan of your work. Right. And I was like, okay, well, let's, let's, let's dive in and, you know, he tells me, I think this is a book. I said, well, I think kind of think it is too. And uh, we spent, you know, six months kind of in close quarters virtually, you know, going back and forth on all the details. And um, it was birthed <laughs> swing walk repeat. <laughs> well, it's um, I, I enjoyed nine virtues of golf, but I think this was my favorite because of the I, the short essay format, you know, it kind of, yeah. it kind of read how my own thoughts uh, it, it come at me, right? Yeah, like when I'm right. thinking about golf, which is a lot, which everybody uh -huh. listening to this is a lot. Mm -hmm. um, it's not always linear. And so I like that the way that, and I don't know, how, how did you select which one goes next? Did you, did you do it in the sequential order of the year that you, I would or? say, you know, it's probably like uh 75% sequential. Um, and we went back at the end and, and kind of rearranged it a little bit to make sure that, you know, as you can, as you can imagine, some of these thoughts can, uh, maybe be a little repetitive at times, right. You know, the things that you naturally gravitate to the most walking, walking with your dog, playing with your family. Right. So we tried to space those reflections out. Um, and it's funny too, because you'll, you'll see in the book that you might read a reflection about me playing with my dog. And then you might read another one 75 pages later and I'll be coming at it from just a different perspective. Right. Because, you know, I, it would, it would be kind of neat actually for me to have gone and maybe I could go back and rearrange where the dates are because the way you're looking at something in February of 2020 and the way I was looking at something in November of 2020, I couldn't have been more different. Right. I mean, the world just was a completely different place. Um, so it was, you know, and it really was, a. it became a pretty important, uh, exercise, pretty important part of my life. Like I said, it didn't get there every day, you know, towards the end, but it just gave me something to always be thinking about in a positive way. Um, which is a whole nother revelation about golf, right? I mean, um, it just, this book kind of happened right when I needed it. Yeah. It, it, and, and 
it's funny you say that you think about things differently depending on the time. You could almost tell that your relationship with golf was maybe slightly different in at a different uh, essay that you were mm-hmm. reading. And yep. I, I wanted to know what you learned about your relationship with golf through the com- compilation of 200 plus essays. Well, you know, it, it, it really is a lesson on, on golf and life. Um, if there's anything I learned that year through this experience, it's just stay level, right? Always try to stay level, um, which I think is very important for your golf game. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we were, I've had this conversation a couple of times in last week. I mean, think about, you know, Justin Thomas last week and sort of the roller coaster he went on at the PGA and then think about just Sunday, right? I mean, he, you know, he shanks one on the sixth hole, grinds out this just gritty bogey. Um, and at that moment, you know, he's, there's a lot of flooding thoughts that can, you know, wash over you, but he stayed level. You could tell that he just stayed right here. Uh, and I think that was, you know, Bones is probably great effect on the week, right? I mean, he just told him to stay where you're at. You're doing good things. Good things are going to happen. Um, you know, vice versa, you watch, you know, kind of what happened with Mito at the end, things just got really fast for him quickly. I mean, and, and he just needed somebody to whisper in his ear, just slow down, stay level. Um, and, you know, I feel like if, if, if I could have been on that tee for him or anyone, not just me or his caddy or anyone and said, Hey man, the next 500 yards are going to be the best walk of your life slow down and enjoy every step. That's all he needed to hear. Didn't need to talk about shots. Didn't need to talk about lines to take off the tee. Just say, Hey, slow down and enjoy every step of the next 500 yards. And I think that would have done the trick. But so for me, you know, I, again, looking back on the year, the thing I learned, by the way, I got some amateur events coming up. Can I get you on the bag? That is gold. Yeah, I love I, that. It just gave me some goosebumps. <laughs> you know, I, there's funny, man. I, I had someone, Recently, I was talking with a college player and he's like, you know, you ought to think about, you know, working with some people. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, I've heard crazier ideas. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I love that kind of stuff. I, I really do enjoy talking with people. You know, my my business uh, is labeled as a marketing PR firm. Uh, but one of the things that I've found that I'm, I'm pretty good at is what I call brand therapy. And uh, you know, I got a couch here in the office and, you know, a couple of nice uh, kind of looks like a, a you know country club locker room. But, um, you know, people like to come sit on the couch and just kind of air what they're thinking about. And I feel like I'm pretty good at helping them get to it, that level place. Um, and, you know, again, golf is is just the ultimate reflection of life. Right. I mean, you play 18 holes, you're going to go on 18 different adventures. Every swing is just a complete different you know, experience. You never know what you're going to get. And if you can stay level, commit to just keep walking, keep swinging, keep moving forward. Good things happen, right? I mean, how many times have you had a round in your life where, you know, you get off to some shaky start and you're just barely holding on to, you know, some give a shit, right? And then something great happens. You chip in, you you know, you make a 30-foot birdie putt and it just changes your entire entire outlook. I actually, you know, it's funny, uh, two years ago, I was actually playing on the seaside course, Sea Island. And I mean, I was like six over three or something. I mean, I was just this just just really bad snap hooky off the tee start. And their first four or five holes is a really bad stretch to have that on. And um, I was on the um, one, two, three, four, five. I think maybe the fifth hole, I made like a 35-foot birdie putt. And all in my just whole attitude, just yeah, it just came off of them, right? 
And then from there, I just, I played phenomenal. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm just out here enjoying a nice walk by the sea. This is great. What can I not love about this? Yeah. And and if you can keep that attitude in life and business and golf, um, you just don't get too high. Don't get too low. Keep swinging. Good things happen. And, and no matter what, you know, spend a little time at the end uh, reflecting on the experience and, and you'll be just amazingly appreciative of, again, what a wonderful game, right? I mean, y'all just, you just were talking about going to Scotland for two weeks. I mean, I can't imagine how just in love with golf you would be after something like that. I mean, and I think a lot of people don't, maybe don't understand that, but, and, and I talk about this in the book too, the, the more you give yourself to it, the more you go deeper, the, the, the further and further in you go, the better and better it gets. Um, and that's what the big takeaway from the book is, I think. Um, there's 200 plus essays. I know I have a couple of my favorites that I really related to. I'll probably bring those up, but uh, wanted to know, maybe not what what's your favorite. I know it's like picking your favorite child. We can't do that. But what, what's one that uh, now that it's all down on, on paper and the book is out, what, what's one that um, stands out to you maybe the most? I think my favorite in the whole book, and it was one of the last ones that I wrote. Um, it's probably the last three or four entries in there. I'd have to go back and look at it, but um, it's called the two way journey. And um, that piece actually was written um, after I had probably a two hour conversation with Michael Murphy, uh, author of, uh, golf in the kingdom that that book really changed my life i mean i mean i mean i there's probably a handful of books i could point to that say really you know had a profound effect on just the way i think about the world and there's a lot of you know i think divide in the golf world some people love it some people think it's kind of a bunch of nonsense but uh but it really connected with me and i i read it at least once a year i'll probably will read it uh between now and, and going to the west coast but um when I was talking with Michael, you know, he's 90, he's probably 93 now, um, still sharp as a tack. And um, towards the end of the conversation, I said something to him about, you know, golf is this, you know, two-way journey. I said, you know, when you're, you tee off on the first hole, right, you're going outward into nature, you're going outward into this routing, into this golf course. You're exploring the lands uh, around you, but you're also with every step you take out, you're, you're going deeper inside. You know, if you're really give, if you're really into it, right. You're having one of those great days with each step, with each swing, you're also journeying inside yourself and you're finding new layers of who you are, what you believe about the game, what you know about yourself. You're discovering things deeper and deeper and that to me is very, again, you know, reflective of the best thing about golf, right? I mean, you get to explore a piece of property. You get to be in nature. Uh, you get to just experience this, just the wonders of our world while you're also really diving deep into who you are and seeing what you're made of. And to me, that's the best summation I can come up with with, with why I love golf. And when I told Michael that, he just, he kind of stopped and he said, wow, I've never thought of it that way. And for someone like that, yeah. you know, who I just think is, you know, I put very high in the, you know, echelon of, of people I admire in the world of golf to hear him admire a thought that was an original one of mine. I, I, 
well, I'm like, all right, well, I can quit. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I've, I've reached the pinnacle. And um, so I sat down after that conversation and wrote that piece. And um, I think that one's probably my, my favorite in the book. That that's one I wrote that one down, honestly, Jay, I, that was one of mine that I connected with. And one of the reasons it connected with me, because I finished your book up on my way back from Scotland. Uh. And I, I was, we met so many fascinating people that golf is such a part of their life, but a quick interjection on this one gentleman named Alistair, mm. you know, he, he told me, I said, yeah, it's good to be at the home of golf, you know, where it all began. And that's kind of a marketing thing you hear sure. there now, but, but he goes, you know, it wasn't shepherds, right? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, there was a, uh, an ancient people here in Scotland that lived in, in close to the sea and, and they would go out every day. They actually lived in kind of, uh, he, I can't remember what he called them, but you know, huts on the sand yeah. mm-hmm. and, and we're talking, you know, as far back as right. time and, and every day they go out searching for life because they were mm-hmm. hunters and they come and they come back home. And that journey is that outward exploration. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. we're just, we're just mimicking our ancestors today. And this is before this guy teed off on the old course. And I'm just like, I, oh my gosh, this is just a, such a, I mean, we always hear the cliche that golf is a representation of life, but yep. it, it, and that was a very real understanding of it. He's like, this is in our DNA. This is our ancestors. And we're just following that, that journey. So when you mm-hmm. said two-way journey, I, I, that, that was one that stood out to me. It really is so true inward and outward. Yeah. Um, and I didn't think there was anything Michael Murphy hasn't thought about in the game of golf. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, I, you know, again, I, and, and he probably had thought about it. I mean, might've just been very complimentary of me, but I, I just, I mean, he's like my golf riding hero, you know I mean? So to hear just something that he thought was, um, moved him. I, I just, I literally was like, wow. Okay. Well, that's pretty damn cool. Um, and so I, I, I mean, I, I, that was probably one of the last five sort of like, I was kind of done and then went back and we, we put that one in there. Um, and, um, you know, there's a lot of other little pieces in there. They're just, you know, again, obviously I love talking about, you know, playing with my dog, Leon. And let's talk about Leon. Yeah. I got a question about Leon. Sure. So, Hit um, as an aspiring golf dog, dad, uh, I got I got a golden retriever that has changed my life. <laughs> Good. Gypsy is is her name, yep. and uh, my wife obsessed with dogs in the way that I'm a, a obsessed with golf. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, she she wants to return. Love to Gypsy. Home. What a name! That's a great name, <laughs> right? And she's lived all over, so it, it's fitting. But I, 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 she is not a golf dog, Jay. She is not. Leon clearly clearly is from from. I feel like I know the dog from reading the book, but. Uh, how did you get there to, to have him with you all the time and, and, uh, just having him a part of the golf course? Cause it, and, and again, we're back from Scotland. I saw tons of dogs in the same yes. exact way, but I still don't understand how I can get my seven-year-old golden who is as playful and loving and barks in everyone's backswing. I mean, yeah. she times up the backswing perfectly every time she barks <laughs> how, how do I get her to, to Leon? Like how, well, where's the gap? How do, how do I do this? I, I actually just published this piece uh, on my um, blog newsletter, or whatever, the other day, um, and it's called "How to Train Your Golf Dog." And because I get this question pretty frequently, as you can imagine, um, you know, the trick that I found with you know Leon, I started him very young, and it, it was it, again, it was somewhat accidental. When I, I was single, when I got him, he's now he's ten years old. He just turned ten. Um, 
So I was single. I didn't have a whole lot going on. You know, I'd wake up on a Saturday morning and I wasn't even really playing all that much golf at the time. Um, we'd go out and we'd just walk. We would walk all over Tallahassee. I and mean, we'd take, you know, these three-hour walks, you know, just, you know, taking our time in around town. And I kept them, you know, on a pretty tight leash, you know, close to me. And he got really accustomed to just staying close to me, you know, on long walks. And um, when I got married and we moved three blocks from the golf course, it, I, I remembered that, you know, when I was a kid and I lived on the golf course, I used to take my dog with me all the time. And then we had like free rain out there. I mean, it was just a you know, small town, nine hole course. So no one cared about anything. And um, I was like, you know, that was a pretty wonderful childhood experience. Maybe I can resurrect that. So I literally, you know, I started taking him up there. And at first, you know, I got him on the leash and just kind of, you know, you're feeling it out. Right. I started, I actually started just taking him out for long walks on the golf course, no clubs and getting him accustomed to just the environment. And, um, after a while, you know, I start taking a few sticks. Uh, maybe it's just even a wedge and you're just popping a few around, getting them used to the sound of the shot and, you know, just sort of the, you know, maybe play three club, three holes with one club kind of thing, uh, popping in and out. And then, you know, start just rolling up in the parking lot and having him pop out of the back and we go out and, and get it. And, um, you know, he's definitely, I noticed in the last you know year, he's, he's slowing down some, um, but, uh, but he still loves it. You know, it, it was, it kind of has come full circle. Like I'm, I don't go out and play as many, you know, nine or 18 hole rounds with him anymore. It's a lot more that, you know, four or five hole loops, uh, with seven clubs kind of thing. And, you know, late afternoon, early in the morning, whenever the golf course is not very crowded is kind of the, the optimal time. And, uh, you know, it just like anything else, man, it takes practice, patience, uh, and, you know, a lot of love for the dog. Right. And, um, you know, the thing I always joke with is just be ready to rake some bunkers, you know, <laughs> they, they like running around in that sand. Um, but yeah, that's still kind of his only flaw is, you know, he likes to go, if I'm up on the green, you know, he likes to just kind of go plop down the bunker and he, he won't even mess up. He just kind of sits in there. Well, um, it, it was eye opening again, as so many things in Scotland are, but the, the amount of dogs and how well behaved they are and how like, there's this, I wanted like, there's this idea of reverence of a golf course, you know, oh, yeah. we, we have it and we kind of, but I think in the States, we kind of put it up on a pedestal and we'd like, Oh, well, don't touch it. You know, uh -huh. don't breathe on it too yeah. much. Uh, it's, it's only there for special occasions. And, and over there, it's like, they have this immense reverence, but it's, it's just the shared plot of land. It's yeah. like right. your, your dog might very cultural. Know, yeah. yeah. It, it's just okay to use it. And yeah. They use oh, yeah. the, they it's not use a museum shit piece. out of it. I mean, they, the dogs are everywhere and it, um, I just, I wonder what we need to do to get courses to kind of say, okay, let's start allowing this more often. Have you had conversations with capital city club oh, or yeah. other clubs? Well, and, and so a big part of that too, I always joke, right? Like, you know, and I said this when I was, I had the no laying up guys in town. I was like, well, there's a lot of benefits to being a member of a, you know, fledgling country club. Uh, some of the rules tend to get bent a little bit easier. Uh, you know, how I walk him in the clubhouse. I don't, and he just kind of comes walking in and, and nobody seems to really care all that much, but, um, so that's, you know, part of it is you, you, you know, I had a guy the other day who was asking me, he's like, Hey, you know, what, what do you, why are you, 
why do you love Capital City so much compared to some of the other places in Tallahassee that you could play? I said, well, I just love the culture of it. I said, you know, yeah, the clubhouse is, you know, this old 1950s, you know, looks like a dilapidated elementary school. Um, I said, but the, the gang is just awesome, right? I mean, the guys are so laid back. They love golf. I mean, eating up with it, love competing, love traveling, love seeing other places, and just love being together in in this in the whole environment out there is just this magical little world. I mean, it's right in the middle of town, but you would never know it. You get to, there's there's a real escapism that you can find out there. Big, beautiful rolling hills, massive live oak trees. You know, the again late afternoon with the dog, the sun's busting through those things. It's just amazing. But you know, being able to um, just kind of make it your own, right? I mean, it's, we all kind of feel a sense of ownership of this place. And, uh, but we also all realize that, you know, we want to use it, right? Like if you go out like tonight, so it's a Friday night, we have our one thirty Friday four ball game. We'll have, you know, 10 or 12 teams. And when you get off the golf course, you know, it's six o'clock, all our families are going to be up there. And the putting green is going to be run amok with kids. And nobody cares. You know, it's like some places like don't run on the green kind of thing. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, but this is not that place. And, you know, I love going to those kinds of places too. But for your everyday kind of hang, right, you know, let's let's be laid back. I wrote it. There's a piece in there about, you know, golf that starts with yes. And, you know, I think when you go across the pond, that's that's there's a big, big part of the environment over there. Right. I mean, it's 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 a field. You know, go have fun in it. Go play. It's you're playing golf. You know, this stuffiness is is uh, something that I'm I'm not too you know too high on. Right. I mean, you, you got to remember this is a game. This is a pastime. This is a way to go out and enjoy nature with your family and friends and others. And you know, I think a lot of times we just can get kind of brainwashed into thinking it's something that it's not. Right. At the end of the day, you're still whacking a ball with a stick in a field. So go do that. Amen to that. To that. You, uh, <clears throat> you write about family a good bit, which for me was, was uh, fairly impactful just because I got a growing family now and mm-hmm. we're expecting our second. Hey, way to go. Ever, so I'll, I'll be there with you, Jay. Um, but, uh, but you two, about- two is way more than one, my man. <laughs> <laughs> By my math, it's double. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> feels like quadruple. <laughs> but uh, but you write about you know playing with your father and your grandfather and how they got you into the game. How how have you been able to get your wife and your young daughter uh, excited about golf with you? What's that journey been like? I think you know it, it, intentionality is an important word uh, with anything you're doing in your life. Um, you know you have to have your priorities in line, and um, you know like we're about to get a golf cart. Right. Um, which is funny. You know, I've, I rail against them a couple of times probably in the book, but I'm at the point right now where, um, in order to get my family, well, let me put it this way in order for me to play more golf, they're got to come, they're coming with, right. Whether it's kids or why, you know, any, any of the variety. And I hope one day we can get to the place where they all love and enjoy the same qualities and um, uh, aspects of the game that I do, you know, long walks in the afternoon, you know, with the dog. But when, you know, a four-year-old, that's just not really plausible. Now, 
My daughter's got the attention span of a gnat, but she's got a good golf swing. She loves to come out. You know, if I can get her up there, take the cart out of the driveway, zip up to the golf course, and I can get 30 minutes with her out there, that's gold, man. That's gold. And she loves it. She loves going out there. But, you know, again, she's not looking to go play 18 holes with me. Now, she'll go on occasion. We'll ride out. She'll kind of hang out. But, you know, two holes in, she's like, I want to race the golf cart, Dad, you know, kind of thing. So a lot of it is just finding the right uh, cadence to get them involved um, and finding a way to make it work uh, for whatever your you know situation is. Uh, I, my wife uh, this year uh, for her birthday, I bought her a, a full set of clubs. Um, you know, so we were talking about going to Pebble uh, here in a few weeks. Um, we booked um, a tea time out at the Hay, uh, the you know the the reimagined uh, par three course. And what I'm going to do is just you know I'll throw her wedges in my bag, travel bag, when we go to the, go out. And, um, you know, I thought, cause I was like, well, I guess you could play out of my bag. I'm like, well, that's not a great experience for her. I'll just throw her clubs in my bag for the travel bag. She only needs a wedge or two, you know, or, you know, to go out there and play this and, you know, just inviting your family to be part of the experience and finding ways that makes it, you know, um, attractive and interesting. And, you know, I think it's like anything else, you know, you share your passions, uh, share the things you love with those you love. And, and it usually works out pretty well. Um, you know, I, I got a little 25 yard sort of pitch shot in the backyard, um, you know, and, and Winnie will, and I will go back there and a lot of afternoons she'll just come up and say, Hey, can we, you want to go play putt putt in the backyard? And I'm like, yeah, sounds great. So, you know, sometimes, you know, she'll hit two or three shots and then she just wants to watch me or she wants to go play, you know, go get it. You know, she'll go get the balls and run them back. Sometimes she thinks it's really funny to take them out you know, right as I'm about to hit them kind of thing. So you just got to have, have fun with it. Try to find a way that um, it can be conducive. You know, and I think the, obviously we're seeing some really good trends of this around the country these days, but, you know, we need to have facilities. You know, I talk about this in the book too, golf in small doses. You know, we need to have opportunities where you can um, go with people who are learning the game, uh, new to experience the game, and just give them just that little bit, right? Just a little opportunity to play, right? I mean, whether that's a pitch and putt um, or, you know, par three course like we were talking about, or even just, you know, making sure that, you know, your club is cool with your four-year-old daughter being on the putting green, right? I mean, don't be so stuffed up about it. It's just a piece of grass, right? Um, you know, and I, it's like with her, you know, we'll get four or five balls, throw them around a hole, you know, from five feet out and, you know, it might take her three to get it in there, but she start, you know, she understands that's the object of the game. And I wrote about this in there too, right? Like if you're teaching someone new, the game of golf, the last thing you really want them to do to start is be swinging a club, you know, put a putter in her hand, get them three feet from the hole and get them to understand the base principle, right? Yeah. Ball goes in hole. Yeah. We, um, we need to remember that too. Is <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I, well, and when you're teaching something, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, to a child, you really have to, you know, dumb it down, simplify it to it's just, you know, most basic elements. And it reminds you of the things you need to remember about the game of golf. Like, I mean, you know, I, I tell my um, brother-in-law this, um, my father-in-law and brother-in-law are not, particularly great golfers. Uh, they're, you know, kind of, if they break a hundred, it's a pretty good day, but they love it. Um, 
And when I watch them play, you know, I tell them like, guys, take the easy route to the hole, right? Think your way around the golf course. You want to shoot, if you want to be, you know, it's like y'all both hit the ball good enough where you could be shooting 89, but you make really boneheaded mistakes in your just course management. I said, you know, I, 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 I can't remember if I put this in the book or not, but I tell the story a lot. When I was a kid, you know, I'd be out playing with my grandfather in our local gangsome uh, in Havana. And there was this one guy, I mean, and he's a big dude, man. I mean, he probably was 300 pounds. Um, they called him tiny. Um, <laughs> and he, <laughs> my grandfather marveled at him. I mean, this is a, you know, lifelong golf professional. He used to show me when we would play with him, he'd say, look, I want you to watch this. You know, my grandfather always told me about how good golf is monotonous, right? You need to find your way around the golf course and just stick to going that way around the course. And he said, you know, this guy, big guy, again, couldn't get the thing, you know, probably more than about 45% back on the backswing, right? He just had a hard time turning, but he hit this low bullet cut. You know, if he had a driver, he probably hit it 160 yards, right? He's playing from the senior tees and he'd hit that thing. Then he'd hit that three wood up there. And once he got in that, you know, 40 yard circle around the green, he was deadly with his wedge, right? He's just deadly with it. And he can make he had this big long putter and he can make putt. And that was his game. And he never deviated from understanding his game. You know, what did Tiger say? You know, there's only two people who ever owned their swing, Mo Norman and Ben Hogan. Well, Tiny probably would have been the third. <laughs> and he just owned it. He knew what he had. He managed his way around the golf course with it. And he never deviated. You know, he never tried to, to be something that he wasn't. And I have, I never have forgotten that. And so like, you know, my, you know, this point in my life, right. You know, I got with two kids and a business, I'm running for public office right now here in Tallahassee, which is a whole nother interesting adventure. And, you know, I, I, I it kind of hit me actually a few months ago, I was trying to do some things in my swing and I'm like, dude, don't be an idiot. This is not the season of your life to be going through swing changes. Right. Like, Let's stick to what you know you can do and do it as well as you can manage that around the course. And that's also, you know, again, you know, go back to our favorite, you know, um, uh, analogy here that gets pounded to death. It's a pretty good reflection for life too, right? Like figure out what you got and do it the best way you can over and over and over again. There's pretty good compounding interest that comes with that, you know? Yeah. Uh, what do you think it is about the bond between parents that, get so strong through golf. Um, you know, we talked about just you introducing your daughter to the game, but just maybe, maybe your own experience. What, what do you think it is that, that really brings parents and, and children together? You know, Michael Murphy talks about this in golf in the kingdom, right? It's, um, says golf is a game for the in-between times, right? And he goes in life. That's most of the time. Um, and I, that's always stuck with me in a big way, but you know, it gives, I think particularly for men too. I mean, I, it's true, you know, for everyone, but it probably plays out more often for men. Um, it gives people a way to be together in close quarters uh, without being awkward. Right. You know, if you and I were going to go and, you know, if we, if, if we were, you know, somewhere and we said, okay, uh, uh, to our wives, we're going to go, I'm going to go for a four and a half hour, you know, walk with this guy. Where are y'all going? Oh, we don't know. We're just going to go walk about for about four and a half hours. You know, it sounds kind of odd, right? Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but when it's golf, it's perfectly normal. And it, and I think it cuts through whether you're talking about family or friends or, or anything. I mean, in, you know, a lot of your golf friends become your family in a lot of ways. Right. Um, you know, I mean, again, you just traveled halfway across the world and spent 14 days with a bunch of dudes. Right. And all you did was walk around a bunch of fields, you know, sounds kind of weird. That's but a, it's pretty weird. Isn't yeah. it? It's pretty magical though. Right. Yeah. It gives you a reason to be with people and, you know, you go back to the family, you know, side of it. Um, we need reasons to be with each other, right? Life pulls you all in a lot of directions. I, I was talking about my brother earlier, you know, uh, I think we got to a point in our life where we didn't have all that many reasons to be with each other. Uh, our interests were different. We lived in different cities. Um, you know, just our general <laughs> disposition was different. And, finding a way to get back to golf gave us a reason to be together. And now, you know, we've sort of mended whatever wounds we might've had from, you know, hostile teenage and early twenties years. Uh, and we've, we've never been closer, never been better. You know, we've won a few tournaments together in recent years and look forward to these things. You know, uh, they're, they're the, they're, they're the marks on our calendar that, you know, create the passage of time. And, um, it just, it's a golf's powerful like that. And I don't, I don't really know anything else that gives people an opportunity to do that to that level of depth. You know, you're not going to do that, you know, with the church league basketball, right. Or softball team. It's just not the same. It, there's, uh, a lot of reference to golf as, uh, meditation in, in the book. And, um, I was, I'm curious, do you meditate regularly? Yeah. Just about every day. Um, not, you know, I'm not sitting in a pillowed room, you know, with the, you know, little, uh, mini symbols on my hand or anything like that. It's for me, uh, it happens when I'm washing the dishes at night and the baby bottles, right. It happens, um, you know, early in the morning, if I manage to get myself out of bed before the rest of the family, it happens, uh, when Leon and I are just out walking, you know, through the neighborhood. Um, quiet time, man, that has just become the most valuable thing in the world. I mean, and it is just so fleeting again, like I'm just in that season of life. I mean, I know you can just appreciate this. Um, like today, you know, so I, I did something, it started in 2020. I talked about this Friday, one game in our club that was birthed during the first month of the pandemic when we all have more time on our hands. Right. And it has become the thing that we all look forward to at the club. It's like the best game we have now. And I have become pretty religious about, Hey, when I get to Friday at noon, I'm done. I don't care what's going on. I'm dropping it. I'm done. I'm going to play because that has become an essential part of me, you know, staying level. And I can tell a massive difference in who I am when I don't have time to do that time to reflect time to just be quiet and, um, and thoughtful, you know, pensive. Um, I'll tell you too, you know, so I, I, my jaunts with Leon on the golf course, we more times now than not, we're just out for a walk. We don't even, I don't even take the clubs as much as I used to. Um, cause I just don't have the, I just don't have the bandwidth right now. Uh, it's just a, this is one of those years that's been extremely busy newborn, new business, 
this campaign for office, right? I mean, so I'm just, I'm pulled in so many directions, but man, when I go and do that, if I do slip out there and get my, I got my little four hole, five hole loop. I, the, the difference in how I feel, and there's no way to equate it. And it just makes, it, it changes everything. And so that, that ability to just be alone on a golf course with just my dog and my thoughts is one of the most impactful things in my entire life. And you think about that. You think about your marriage. You think about your business. You think about your extracurricular activities. You think about your kids and the relationships you want to have there. You think about who you are, your relationship with yourself. All of that, right? That's that that journey inward happens as you're just swinging this club and going for a walk. You know, you, you know what's, what's very interesting about the two examples you just shared there. One is that Friday game where I'm guessing you're playing with whoever, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I don't know how you guys pair up teams or whatever, but you're, it's, it's, you know, part of the community. You're playing with a lot of other people, probably a lot of conversation in, in oh, yeah. that round. And then, and then you had your five hole loop with your dog and it's just you and your thoughts. My, my question is, is how different are those two experiences for you with producing that outcome of, are they both equally meditative or are they, are they both very different in how you feel afterwards? No, they're different. Um, I tr so like I'll give you an example. So a lot of the Friday game, you know, especially this time of year now, it's getting pretty hot. You know, the guys like jumping back in the carts. You know, Florida summer gets a little dicey. Um, so you lose some of that meditative uh, capacity, right? You know, a few more beers flow, uh, kind of thing. And that's you know, like I. I I, I'm not, I'm probably not the anti-carp zealot that I used to be. Um, although I, I, I have very strong feelings. Um, but you know, it's okay to go and do that too. It's a fun, that's also a lot of fun. It's just different. You know, I just know, you know, I'm going to come off the golf course. If I'm playing in a cart Friday afternoon, and the guys are drinking beer, I'm going to be in a great mood when I finish. It's going to be a lot of fun. Right. But I'm not going to have that same level of, connection with myself or even with the guy I'm playing with. Yeah. You know, when you're bouncing around these damn things, you just, you know, your phone tends to come out more. Um, you're, you know, maybe somebody's fiddling with music, you're zigzagging all over the place. You just, you lose a level of connection to the whole experience. And it's not that it's a bad experience. It's just a very different experience. And so you have to go into it, you know, with just a different mindset, right? Um, again, like today, here we are on the Friday Eve of you know, Memorial Day weekend, right? Probably today's probably going to be a beer drinker, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's okay. Um, but I, I, you know, in a perfect world, and I don't know if it might be before I'm retired, before I ever get to this again, but, you know, in a perfect world, I'd like to be able to have a life where I'm, I do a little bit of that. Uh, but I also get my late afternoon walks by myself in or early morning walks, you know, in with a friend. And those are just much, much more rewarding. They're just a they're just a deeper experience. Um, and, you know, I I I, I it's kind of like, um, you know, I like going and eating a greasy cheeseburger. Right. I mean, pretty, pretty good stuff. Right. Which kind of feel a certain way after that. Right. Uh, that's maybe not as great as, you know, going and, and cooking a, uh, you know, a filet mignon on your back porch with some fresh vegetables that you've grilled. Right. I mean, it just, it just hits different. Um, 
and they're both good in their own ways. They're just different, you know? And, and, and I think the way that I would equate it, right. is like that hour after you eat that cheeseburger, you just kind of have a very, you know, you don't feel that <laughs> as good as you would have hoped, but that hour after you've you know cooked that nice meal and shared it with some people, you still feel kind of that lift. Right. And so like when I go have that long walk with a friend, uh, that lift tends to last longer. Yeah. That, uh, I like the, what your, I don't know if it's the last chapter, but it's darn close and, uh, end of a search. Mm-hmm. And it's the shortest chapter I'd imagine, but if you are searching for something, go play golf. I bet you'll find it. Yeah. And I, I've found that. And I think this goes right back to our the meditative point you just made, but, um, how, how does that play out for, for, do you, do you truly do that? If you're, if you're debating something, do you go tee it up and, and, oh, yeah. and that's where you find your answer? Yeah. It's the best way for me to, um, to weigh the things that are, uh, on my mind. Um, those, you know, again, I go back, we'll go back to Sea Island one more time. Um, I was really weighing what I wanted my future to look like um, career-wise, you know, about two years ago. And uh, I took my wife up there for a little quick getaway. Kind of, you know, we, you sort of, you know, sometimes you feel like y'all, you just kind of need to get out for a couple of days together, you know. Um, and it's good for the marriage, good for the soul. And so, you know, she went to the spot, see, I went, by the way, you need to work that into the equation because that is a, that is a, there, there's a room there it's like this atrium with like water flowing through it and all this stuff. It's, I call it the world's greatest room to take a nap in. Uh, you got to check that out. It's pretty, pretty incredible. So anyway, you know, she goes and does that, you know, and I go, I go have a late afternoon walk on the seaside course. And I remember that day I, I, I made up my mind that one way or the other, I was going to figure out how to start my own business because I wanted to be my own boss. And it took almost an entire year from that moment. I remember staying, I remember where I was. I was on the 13th pole. Sun's going down. I remember the swing. I remember, and I was like, I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. I don't know how yet, but I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm deciding today that that is going to be what the future looks like. And same, you know, they're running for office. So me and my friend, and again, sometimes it just works out well. Um, I had a friend of mine call me back in, um, late November. He says, Hey, um, we just won this all expenses paid trip to stream song in this charity scramble. And the guy that was our fourth can't go. You want to go? I was like, yeah, absolutely. When we go and he goes in like, you know, three weeks. I was like, okay, sounds good. It says like early December. And I've been weighing, you know, a lot of people kind of, you know, talking to me, Hey, you should consider this as an open seat on our County commission. And, uh, hadn't been open in like 36 years. And I'm like, you know, this is, if I'm ever going to do it, this is probably the window to do it. It's probably the opportunity, but I just got, you know, a lot, I just, there's a lot to take in there. And, um, well, I just happened to have this golf trip land in my lap. Right. And I said, you know, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Taking the push cart down here. I'm going to have, you know, three rounds of golf stream song. We're going to hit every course. I'm going to get a lot of steps in. I'm going to get a lot of time, you know, even though I'm with my friends, I'm walking over here doing my thing. Yeah. And it's just going to give me a chance to kind of disconnect and think for a few days. And I said, I think by the time I'm done, I'll, I'll know the answer. And the damnest thing happened. I remember coming up 18 and I was like, I think I'm going to do it. But like, I don't, you know, I'm like, I feel like the answer is leaning. Yes. 
And I hit like a four iron and I kind of hit a little bit of a pop-up drive and I had a long way in. I hit like a four iron and 18 on blue, which if you, if you've played it and it's this beautiful sweeping, you know, downhill shot clubhouse in the background and, uh, hit this four iron up there. Pretty good shot. Bends around the corner, rolls up on the green. It's about 25 feet. And I remember thinking like, I think I'm going to make this putt and I'm going to know the answer is yes. And I got up there and I'll be damn, I made the birdie putt and I just went, you son of a bitch. And I was like, we're, we're going to do this. <laughs> and, and that was, and, and like, I remember that I just had to smile on my face the whole ride back, you know, to Tallahassee. Cause I was like, <laughs> isn't that funny? You know? <laughs> and, uh, I, I just, I just knew it. I was like, I felt like the, I don't know if, you know, the golf gods or some gods or something, somebody was, was winking at me and telling me, Hey, it's all going to be okay. Just go and, uh, and do your thing and, and it's going to be good. You know? So yeah, it's, it's a, it's just a, a very important, again, part of my life. And anytime I feel like there's just something I can't figure out, or I'm not sure what the compass in my heart is pointing towards, if I go out there and, and play a few holes, um, it, it, it tends to, to reorient in the correct direction. Well, Jay, I, I got uh, one more thing for you, sure. which is our segment. I, I can't believe I've never done this with you before, but I think that's because we can fill the hour with it's, – it's very easy to fill the hour with you, my friend, and talk about this great game. Um, but this is the 19th soul. We ask 18 questions to reveal the soul of the, the golfer. We adapted 35 questions from the French novelist Marcel Proust, mm -hmm. and uh, he was attempting to reveal – the truest nature of an individual. We're not into that. We're looking for the soul of the golfer. Um, these are intended to be quick answer. That's a challenge. I, <laughs> I, I'll, especially with this, the two of yeah. us, but yeah. um, quick answer. Here we go. Jay Ravel. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Number one, when and where were you the happiest as a golfer? I think as a kid, my nine hole golf course out in the backyard, um, walking with my brother and my next door neighbor and our dogs. Number two, what's the scariest golf shot? Oh man, a four iron that I got to carry something with. You just thought you just made the birdie on 18, four irons. I know, you. but it was shaky. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, what's your go-to order at the halfway house? Hmm. If they got a good slider, man, like a, just, I just want one little slider or a cup of chili in the winter, like a really good, like Bay Hill, real mean cup of chili there at that turn uh, on a blustery winter day. That's, that's pretty good stuff. Number four, what is the trait you most deplore in your golf game? Hmm. Um, Losing focus. Um, if I lose focus and make a mistake, I just, that's, well, I'll, I'll give you a better version of that. Three putting. Yeah. Uh, I had six three putts on the back nine at the seaside course two weeks ago. And I was just really, dis that's a big disappointment for me because I'm a pretty damn good putter. Yeah. It was a, it was a windy afternoon and the greens were baked out, but like that, a three putt just, eats at my soul because uh, I pride myself on being, I call, I, I tell myself, Jay, you're the best five foot putter in the world. That's what I tell myself every time I tee it up. And if I'm missing those things, man, it just, that's, that's a tough day. Number five, what is the trait you most deplore in other golfers? Poor course management. 
just not being able to think your way around the golf course is, is inexcusable. Um, it's the easiest way to lower your score. And most people never even think about it. Number six, what is the quality you most look for in a playing partner? Someone who's just happy on the golf course. Number seven, what words or phrases do you most overuse on the golf course? <laughs> a lot of the four letter ones. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I probably say you fucking idiot, you know, a couple <laughs> of times around. Cause again, that, that the thing that lets me down is when I make a bad course management decision. Number eight, what golfing talent would you most want to have? Uh, juggling. I wish I could juggle. Like actually, you know, like juggle. My uncle was uh, on the PGA tour and, uh, you know, obviously you get a lot of, you know, waiting and he's playing in pro-ams and all that kind of stuff. And he's an incredible juggler, right? He can sit there and juggle golf balls. And I always thought like, man, one of these days I'm going to learn how to do that. I never did. And I, I just, I still think about it. Like, man, I wish I could juggle golf balls when I'm out playing with people. I think it would just be a, a good parlor trick. I've never had that answer. For <laughs> number, number nine, what is your most treasured golf possession? Hmm. Always a tough one for folks. Um, God, I got a lot of them. I'm sitting in an office full of junk my wife made me move out of the house um <laughs> gosh um you know i got a picture of my brother over here um that we took at bally neil which was kind of the first big that was the that was the trip that reset our relationship and i keep it over here and right next to it is uh you know from um Oh gosh, what's a um, what's our guy? That's the the soccer show on Apple Plus. Why can't I think of it? Ted, Ted Lasso. Lasso. Yeah. Thank you. We played in the member guest last year, and uh, we were right in the mix on Sunday. And uh, I wrote a little little believe sign and taped it on the cart in front of him. And I was like, "We can do this today," and we did, and we won it together. And that was a that was a really really fun day. Uh, so I got both of those sitting next to each other. And you know, again, that relationship has become one of my most important and treasured things in golf. So uh, those little, little knickknacks from our relationship are, are pretty near and dear. Making this turn to number 10. What's the one thing in your golf bag you should throw out right now? <laughs> Probably that four iron. That <laughs> uh, sounds like a love hate relationship with that thing. I just, I, I have a steep swing and kind of a funky move. I'm really good with short irons and wedges and I drive the ball pretty well, but I, long irons are just, you know, I just, I struggle to get them up in the air, man. I don't know what it is. I always have. And, um, like I said, if I got to have that, if I got to make a decision between, you know, hitting a full four iron or like some kind of bunt hybrid or something, I'm bunting that hybrid all day long. Number 11, what is your favorite job or occupation at the golf course? Oh man. When I was a kid, um, I got to mow the greens when I was like 16 years old. I did it every summer. And, um, I still think it was the best job I ever had. I loved it. It was just, you talk about like therapeutic and like meditative, like there's something about waking up at the crack of dawn, firing up that little three wheel mower 
and going out there and, and cutting greens, man. Like you feel like you just, like you've just set the course for this grand adventure for everybody to have that day. Right. Like I'd mow the greens, I'd go right back out and I'd cut the cups. And like, I feel like if I was retired, that would be what I would want to do. Like, actually like, I'd like, Hey, I don't even know if you have to pay me. Like I want to just mow the greens and cut the cups and then go home for the day. Yeah. Um, I, I miss it. I still miss it. I think about it a lot. Have you ever asked another, it was a number 12. Have you ever asked another golfer for their autograph? If so, who? Quite a few. Uh, my uncle, uh, like I said, was on the tour when I was from age like 11 through 14. And I went to, I probably went to 30, 40 different PJ tour events, uh, watching him, uh, most notably Sunday, of the 1998, Bell South Classic, TPC Sugarloaf in Duluth, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, he, my uncle comes up. We're all sitting there eating um, uh, lunch, I think, before he went out. He was, he, he was uh, in the mix a little bit. He was like in the top 20 maybe. And he comes up and says, Jay, come back here. I want to show you something uh, in the locker room. And he takes me back into the locker room. And we come around this corner in this little cove. And there sits Tiger Woods, a 22-year-old Tiger Woods, wearing the Sunday red in the lead of that tournament. He ended up winning that day. And um, I just remember being in awe, right? It was like, holy shit, that's Tiger <laughs> Woods. And um, all I had was my hat. It was a Callaway golf hat. I flipped it over and he signed the bill of it. And still got that. Uh, that's awesome. That's yeah. a good story. That's yeah. a good story. Uh, this one I'm always interested with people that are well-read and, and know a lot about golf's past. Number 13, what historical golf figure do you most relate to? Hmm. I think, you know, if there was anyone that I could go have uh, a dram with and just listen to them talk about golf, um, it would be Alistair McKenzie. Um, I, I just, I've, you know, I've come to really love, you know, golf course design and architecture. And, um, I love the way he just thought about the game, um, and the way to present challenges to people. And, you know, again, to set this environment, um, in a way that gets your mind pulled deeply into what you have in front of you on every shot. Um, and, um, I just, I'm not, I think he's the best. And I think that's the probably, probably the best one that ever lived. I, I would just love to just kind of walk a golf course with him and hear him point out what he was thinking on, on different aspects of it. That would just be incredible. He's up there. He's up there for me too. Uh, that probably tells you why we see so much of the game mm -hmm. aligned. What is uh, number 14? What is your greatest golf regret? Uh, when I was, um, in senior in high school, I was a really good player. Um, I had, uh, an opportunity. I could have gone and played probably at a couple of like D2, D3 schools. Um, I needed a lot of refinement, um, and probably some coaching. And, uh, I passed on that opportunity, uh, to go to Florida state just and have fun for four years. And, um, life turned out pretty damn good, but I do think often, you know, I wonder, I wonder what kind of level I could have got to with four years 
of dedicated, um, you know, really dedicating myself to becoming a, a, a competitive uh, amateur. I think that would have been pretty damn cool. Um, I mean, I had some, I had some real game in high school and I just, I kind of burned out and, um, I, you know, I just, I think if I'd have had a, someone could have had the right conversation with me at the right time, kind of like we were talking about with Mito, you know, yeah. uh, that might've been a different scenario. So I, I wonder about that one sometimes. Number 15, what's your favorite golf book or movie? Well, golf in the kingdom is um, no doubt, uh, my favorite book. Uh, if you've ever seen that movie, that might be the worst golf movie ever made, <laughs> um, which is really ironic. There was a, I think there was a deal in place for Robert Redford to make that movie, uh, and it fell through. Uh, and, and the one that they ended up making a few years back is just not great. Um, but um, yeah, Golf in the Kingdom, man. I mean, I just if you haven't read it, uh, you, you have people just have to read it. It's just it, again, it really it. It had a pretty profound impact on my, on my life. Yeah. It's a must. It's, it's yep. a must for sure. Uh, do you listen to music on the golf course? Sometimes, uh, I'm usually not the one who would, uh, instigate that. Uh, but if it's going, um, you know, I try to, uh, interject on, on what kind of sounds we're going with. So I, I need you to interject here. So number 16 is if you had one song to listen to on the golf course for the rest of your life, what song would it be? Uh, Once Upon a Time in the West by Dire Straits. Wow. I, I don't even... My uh, my brother out. and I, on our journey to uh, Bally Neal, you know, have you been out there? No, not yet. I'd play that. You talk about the probably the most underrated golf experience in America. It ha has to be. Um yeah, you, know, you leave Denver, you got a three hour drive and you just like with every mile society like deteriorates, right? You go from like, you know, you're on this interstate to like you're on a highway to then you're on this two lane road. And like by the time you get close, you're on a two, you're on like a one rut dirt road, just dust flying up everywhere. And you're like starting these dunes are kind of just emerging out of the skyline. And um, you go through these like little like. I call them silo towns. Like there's just nothing but like some grain silo and like two, it's like a gas station and like two little houses. And that's the town. And you keep going, you keep going. And finally you, you've reached the like literal end of the road and you turn into this gate, you know, like an old like cow farm gate and you wind up this dune. And literally as we were, we, we'd been listening to all kinds of stuff. We had just gone to this great green sky bluegrass show at Red Rocks the night before. So we're just you know, feeling pretty good. And we turn into Ballyneal and that song just happened to come on the playlist and it just, man, it really hit hard. And we were like, we are, we are entering into another realm right here. This is a different kind of place. And um, every time we play now, that's the song that, you know, that we put on. He loves listening to music. So we always make sure that it's on the playlist. That's awesome. All right. Here's a heady one. Number 17. If you were to die and come back as any golfer or golf thing, mm. what do you think it would be? Just some crusty old Scott in a little town somewhere with a good golf course by the sea. That's that actually sounds heavenly. <laughs> <Doesn't it? laughs> 
I tell people like, you know, someone asked me the other day, they're like, you know, what do you think you'll do if you lose the election? I was like, I will probably get on the first plane to Scotland and disappear for a few days. Uh, and not, not to sulk, just to, just to reset, you know? Um, you know, anybody seen Jay? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a number 18 is, is always a good one. We've titled a lot of podcasts based off of this answer. If you had a motto, maybe you do, what would it be? Swing, walk, repeat. There it is. That is it. Jay, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm sorry we didn't have more of our members with us for the book club version. We're going to do that one too. But uh, I just really enjoy talking to you, man. I really, it's a pleasure, I, man. I'm, I, I'm, the only thing I'm angry about is that it's raining cats and dogs here in Chicago, and I can't go tee it up immediately because uh, you always get me just – uh, just remind me about so many things I love about the game. And, and, you know, the one thing about your writing that I think has, has come along and, and I really appreciate is that it really hits at the simple pleasures that we all share. And there's so much of this game that can't be shared or is kind of um, uh, uh, limited to so many of us and not others. And I just think that you transcend that with your writing. And it's not about status or exclusion. It really is about this, this shared feeling that we all have. And I just wanted to thank you here on the podcast for sharing that with us. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity always to have a conversation, man. And one of these days, uh, I really look forward to when we can take a walk together and, um, and enjoy some of that and soak it up. You know, I, I think the, the, the highest high you can get in golf is just, you know, you're on a great walk with a friend and at some point you both, your glances meet each other and you both realize how big you're smiling. I mean, that's, that's it, right? That's what it's all about. And, um, I, I hope we get a chance to do that soon. You know, I've walked a couple groups in front of you. I've walked a couple groups behind you. We've been a lot of the same places, but I don't think we've shared that walk. And I, I thoroughly look forward to that. Yeah. I got a feeling there'll be a lot to smile about. Yes, sir. Jay, thank you for being with us. Enjoy the day. You and good luck with the election. You got hey, it. Thanks, buddy. Let's rally some votes. <laughs> you got it, buddy. Today's episode of The Bag Drop was brought to you by our partners, True Temper, Golf Blueprint, and this July's official partner of the Summer Medal in Northern Michigan, Journeyman Distillery. Journeyman Distillery has been distilling artisan spirits for over a decade in their historic Featherbone factory located in the one stoplight town of Three Oaks, Michigan. Grain to bottle and certified organic, kosher, and gluten-free award-winning whiskeys. Check out their full line of spirits over at Journeyman Distillery on all social or journeymandistillery.com.